No one wants to die. Even people who want to go to heaven don't want to die to get there. And yet, death is the destination we all share. No one has ever escaped it. And that is as it should be, because death is very likely the single best invention of life. It's life's change agent. It clears out the old to make way for the new. Your time is limited, so don't waste it living someone else's life. Don't be trapped by dogma, which is living with the results of other people's thinking. Don't let the noise of others' opinions drown out your own inner voice. And most important, have the courage to follow your heart and intuition. They somehow already know what you truly want to become. Everything else is secondary. The Boys of Tech with Edwin Herman, Brett King, Cameron Colley and Alec Doughty. This is episode 137 for Monday, 10th October 2011. My name is Edwin Herman. I'm joined by Alec Doughty. Welcome along, Alec. Hi, Ed. How are you doing? Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. And yourself? Yeah, not too bad on this somber moment. Yes. So the course is, uh, as, as you would have heard, it's been all over the news. The passing of Steve Jobs yeah, uh, died yeah. on the 5th of October 2011. Indeed. The world changed. It did. And he changed the world. He did. In a number of ways. Now, obviously, he didn't do it single-handedly, but, uh, you know, without Steve Jobs, it wouldn't have happened. Indeed. So I thought we'd just go through and sort of reflect on some of the things that he uh, that he, that he gave us. In fact, one of the quotes from the newspaper, uh, this might not be word for word, but it was words to the effect that he changed your world even if you didn't buy an Apple product. Absolutely. So, of course, by that we mean things like, for example, the iPod. Now, MP3 players did exist. In fact, a lot of things that Apple did had already existed in some form or another. But of course, there's two things here that Apple did each time, and that is they did a product well, and they also made it popular. The iPod's a classic one, I think. Definitely, that was a genre shifter. It was. There were all sorts of MP3 players. They None of them were sort of worked with any decent software very well. There wasn't much integration. They were all very different. I mean, look at the iPod. In fact, <laughs> to be honest, the iPod, I think, is still something like 76, I believe, percent market share. Yeah, it still dominates the MP3 market, MP3 player market, but is being cannibalized by the iPod which is its natural, uh, the iPhone, I mean, its natural successor. Yeah, well, that's true, because the iPhone has a has an iPod uh, built in. Yeah, absolutely. Steve obviously noticed uh, Johnny Ive's talents early on and uh, and made the most of that. I mean, you know, uh, Jonathan Ive is the, the industrial designer behind a lot of the, um, uh, I guess, what do you call it, the, the era from, you know, 1997 onwards when Steve Jobs yeah. rejoined Apple. Because, of course, he, he got fired from Apple. He did. I mean, and that that's when Steve Jobs got pushed out by uh, Scully, who was Steve Jobs' hand-picked CEO at the time. That's and right. Basically, Steve Jobs became a pirate within his own organization and, and had a breakaway team working in a different building. And 
it, it was all just very tense towards the end of that first era of Jobs and Apple. There was a falling out, and the, unfortunately, the board sided with with Scully. But the thing is, you know, and I saw an interview with with Steve Jobs uh, not long ago that you know he said that it actually worked out really well in the end, and, and you know he went off to to form Next and. Pixar, Pixar. yeah, Pixar. Yeah. I mean, you know, hello. These are well. Next was obviously swallowed by Apple, and yeah. it gives rise to a lot of the uh, the new uh, uh, what do you call it development tools that we have now. Yeah. It's all based on uh, Next Step. So yeah, he was you know he he went on and did those things, and of course came returned to Apple when Apple bought Next. And uh, but the thing is, you know, Apple you know was in dire straits at the time, wasn't it? Oh, absolutely. They they, they were on their last legs. Failing badly, they'd had a a string of wide misses, like the uh, the Newton and the Pippin. The what? The Pippin. Have you ever heard of the Pippin? I've never heard of the Pippin. What is it? Did you know? Did you know that Apple got into the console game market? Really? The Pippin. Is this, the a, Pippin is this was in Japan? Is it? Console. No, no, no. It was in America, Japan, and America. But wow. yeah, it, it was a competitor to the uh, Nintendo. Oh, is that right? It's, I'm just reading about it now. I had absolutely no idea. Yeah. <laughs> that was obviously a was, flop, wasn't it? Yeah, totally. And it was one of the first things Jobs killed when he came back. Well, he killed a whole heap of things, didn't he? The, the Newton yeah. was the other one you mentioned, yeah. which was a fantastic product, but just too far ahead of its own time. Uh, yeah, people, did some people wacky poetry with its, with its uh, text, text recognition. <laughs> I used to call it Newton Poetry. Well, you know, I mean, at, at the time, the uh, yeah, I mean, the technology had only advanced so much, but yeah, uh, but also, I think a line of printers and stuff—they also can, they can. Oh, a whole. Yeah, you're right. He just trimmed it right back. But like I say, he also recognised Johnny Ive's talent there at the at the time as well. Of course, they came yeah. out with the IMAX, and the I, I remember when the IMAX came out, and, and we had the ad with what was it? The uh, the song with the Rolling Stones song. She comes in colours everywhere. Yeah, uh, whatever that's called, uh, right. it escapes me. But yeah, and I, I remember seeing an iMac for the first time, and I thought, "Wow, this is like the wackiest computer I've ever seen." It's all one thing. Yeah, well, it's, it's all one thing for a start, and it's it's sort of yeah. this translucent color, you know. Yeah, yeah. Remember, these were all beige boxes. Apple as well. Up until yeah, uh, up until that time. Really, that 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 is when the modern Apple started. The Apple that is concerned with with the look of the product physically, as opposed to just how it works. Yeah. Before then, yeah. they were just concerned with how something works. Yep. All right, but yep. but when when Jobs came back and got Jonathan Ives on board, and, well, actually, and he was already on board. Industrial- yeah. yeah, but he he wasn't. But basically, Steve gave him the leeway to really shine in his design. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and of course that gave rise to a whole host of products. Now I, I mentioned the the iPod, and there was also, of course, iTunes that came uh, with it. But the iTunes Store specifically later on. Yep. Uh, the, of course, the iPhone was another hit. You can't disagree with that. I mean, okay, it doesn't have the most market share. We know that, and Android phones do. Yep. If you're looking at operating system, of course. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, but not you know, single handset. No, that's right, not a single year. But, you know, still, it is a hit. It is very popular. It does have a, a sizable chunk of them, the market share. And, of course, and the iPad now as well, what they, the youngest product line. Indeed. Yeah, and, which, and, which every time they enter a market, whether they created the market or are just entering a, as a nascent player, 
they end up changing the market. Yeah, so they do. With, they do. with, with they the do. iPad, they, they basically created a new market for themselves and they still own about 80% of the tablet market, although the, the, the Fire might, might change that, although I don't think it'll, it'll impact it that much. The Fire? Yeah, the, the Amazon Fire. Oh, the Amazon still, Fire. Yeah, Kindle. It will become the main player from a tablet perspective in the, OA, in the Android space. It'll, it'll still be dominated by, by iOS. But you reckon out of, out of the uh, Android out ones, of, that's going to be yeah, it? Yeah, out of the Android yeah. ones, it, it's going to be far and away the clear winner, purely on price. Yeah, well, you, you could be right there because it is, it is a very good price point. Yeah. Then speaking of price, that is one thing, though, that Apple, I think, for a long time, just never really – they didn't play in that Proposed space. On. No, yeah, no, the, no, 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 no. They, they were never they were, in it to, to make the cheapest product. No. They were in it to make the best product. That's right. Now, there was a time – I don't remember what year it would have been, but it would have been early 2000s. There, there was a time where Apple didn't play in the, the sub-US $1,000 market, but in the machines they had over that – they were actually competitive when you looked at uh, spec for spec. There was only there's a short period, there's a number of years where they, where they were. In fact, I think they compared it to a Dell, and Dell, of course, is known for the the cheapest of the cheap in terms of uh, other than build your own. Yeah. And the Macs they were making during those years were cheaper. They they showed comparisons that you could do the comparison yourself was cheaper than the Dell. Apple were we're not playing in the uh, sub one thousand dollar market, but they concentrated on great products, great looking products, pro- products that worked well, where the operating system and the hardware worked together. They look nice. Tight hardware integration was and still is their key differentiator, I think. But they get criticised for that too, don't they? It's sort of a double edged sword. It is. I feel what they and what I criticise them about as well is not so much their their hardware integration, but the closed system that they do with their hardware. So as an end user, you have no ability to actually go in and replace the graphics card, for instance. You're right about the lower end. You're absolutely right about the lower end machines. The higher end machines, of course, than the towers. The Mac Pros and the towers. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you can with those. You're right, though. In, in general, they're not as, what do you call it, open, I suppose you could say. You know, the way I look at it uh, personally is normally that, that goes against my philosophies as well. But where it's different is if a company, whether it's Apple or anyone else for that matter, where they make things work well, I'm okay with that. So I'm, I'm okay in a walled garden, if you like. So long as I have everything in the walled garden and everything yeah. in there works. Yeah, I can appreciate that. The, the, and And... I, I think because of the, the, the tight hardware integration with the operating system, what they've managed to do is gain extra performance out of the hardware so that in benchmarks and stuff, when you're looking at apples and apples from a, a Mac hardware versus a PC hardware, Apple usually perform better in, in the the benchmarking because they can eke out just that little bit more performance because of their sp- so tightly integrated with the hardware. That's right. That's right. So I guess that's it. Well, actually, let's talk about stats as well because, you know, I've watched a lot of the Apple keynotes and it, they are quite selective in, in what they show you. Absolutely. Like, they, they paint the picture that they want you to see. That's right. Now, that's not to say that the stats are wrong or they're incorrect no. or they made them up. They haven't. They're right. But there's more, I guess, more to the story is, is yeah, the simplest way of putting it. They, that, that they, you don't they, see. They, 
I think that the important thing is that they leave out those things that change the story to something that they don't want to actually tell. Yes, they do. <laughs> they do. I guess, you know, uh, to be fair, though, I think uh, you'll probably find that all marketing departments of all companies do that. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. No question there. But uh, you do pick Apple, up, I Apple do. just a, a, a little more. I wouldn't say obvious because well, no, I was going to say I mean, that actually. They're, they're you, do, you do seem to be. I seem to pick it up more with with, yeah. with Apple. Maybe it's because I'm yeah. paying attention to specifically. I don't know, but mm. you know. So Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak formed Apple on April Fool's Day, 1976, and of course, from there, it's turned into this company that for a moment was the world's most valuable company, uh, but has been certainly sitting at number two position for a little bit now, yeah. uh, steadily. And now that Steve Jobs has passed on, do you think that uh, do you think that's going to be tough for Apple ahead? Tougher, um, I, tougher than it would otherwise have been, I guess, is what I'm trying I, to say. I, I think so. I was listening to some commentary on this very topic, and they mentioned that the important thing to for, for Apple to focus on is not to focus on the the question, "What would Steve do in this situation?" Because Steve was very specific about the people that he groomed and, and, and put in control of that company. Like all of the heads of the departments are there for a reason, all right? They're there on their own merits and they should make decisions as they would make them because Steve had enough uh, faith in them to put them there. So Okay, I, I, think, I see the logic, yeah. Yeah, I, I think what they need to focus on is not the what would Steve do, but what's best. So it, they have a rocky road coming up, I think, a little bit. I, from, from a profit perspective, I think they'll do fine. It's their innovation space that I think that they might sort of slow down or, or one, wander off the path and start traveling down roads that they wouldn't have traveled down with, with Steve Jobs in charge. Now, what surprised me, though, about the whole thing is Steve Wozniak has been surprisingly quiet on this topic. You know, his, um, his, one of his Twitter feeds, I don't know if he's come out and said anything in public, but he the, has, the only, he, has he, he? Yeah, he did an interview on, on one of the big um, TV networks. Oh, did he? I, I must in have missed the US. that. Okay. Yeah. Because I, I didn't saw, actually see it myself, but I, I was watching a um, live live commentary that mentioned him and him being on the, uh, that other show. I think it was like CNN or something. Because he, I did notice uh, one of his posts, and this is on Twitter, and this is as close as you get to any mention of the the event, is that keep it, he says, keeping family dinner despite the disturbing news. And, yeah. and that, that was it. And I thought, well, that's strange. I thought he might have put more on his Twitter feed uh, on that. Because, you know, they, they they were the two friends that founded Apple. I actually met Steve Wozniak. Oh, have you? That's yeah. very cool. Yeah, I've got a, I've got a photo uh, of, of him and I standing, you know, next to each other. Cool. So, uh, but you know, uh, I ha- I've never met, <laughs> I've never met Steve Jobs. And actually, just on that note, I went to uh, a f- uh, Europe in, in 2005, and I happened to be in, in France when Macworld was on in Paris. I was in mm-hmm. fact in Paris itself. I'd realised this ahead of time, so I registered and got a ticket and stuff. And I registered for the keynote as well, and I was accepted as a, an attendee for that. And this is the only time I think that I, well, that I recall 
that weeks out from the keynote, it was suddenly cancelled. The whole keynote was off. This would have been my only chance to see uh, to see Steve Jobs in the flesh, and of course, that's not going to ever happen ever again. Now, no, I was yeah, really gutted. Yeah, I know because uh, that was pretty much my chance uh, for this, at least this time in my life. Uh, you know, yeah, I've got to two, be in his presence. That's right. I've got two young kids now. I'm l- unlikely to travel for a, for a little bit, at least not far afield like Europe or or the states from here in New Zealand. So. That was my chance, and, and it ne- never happened. I there was and it was really weird because there was no uh, reasons given for why the keynote was was cancelled, mm-hmm. and I still haven't figured out why. But never mind. Mm. So Steve Jobs had pancreatic cancer. I think he was diagnosed in what two thousand and four, I believe. Yeah, I, be- I believe so. And yeah, he had it for about eight years, and that affected his liver. And he had a liver transplant in what two thousand and nine, I think it was. Yeah, again, I think you're right. He received the liver of a uh, 25-year-old, I believe, or, or mid-20s, I think, yeah, who, who died and, in a car accident. Yeah, and his, his experience, he had to actually go to Tennessee to get that liver transplant because the waiting list in California was just so long because there were just not enough donors. So Steve Jobs went to Tennessee Unlike most people, he was actually able to do that. He, he was able to go in and have assessments done at, at multiple transplant centers. And Well, he wasn't short of any money, was he? <laughs> no, exactly. So he could fly around, he could um, see the best specialists and was able to just make it happen. And that's a position that most people are not in. And he, he recognized that after the fact. So he quietly behind the scenes, after he'd actually had his transplant, he worked quietly behind the scenes with the government of California to change the state law to um, basically make it mandatory to answer a yes, no question about whether the, a driver will be an organ donor. And, oh, so and, when you and apply for your in, license, you, ha- you have to answer that question, right? Yeah, and before that, that wasn't the case apparently. So if a driver opted in, then they would become a donor. But there wasn't actually a specific question saying, yes, no, you must answer. And just doing that doubled the number of people that became donors. So before that, if you wanted to become a donor, you you had to what, sort of take the initiative to go somewhere and say, hey, exactly. guess what, yeah. I want to be a donor. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Sam, people don't do that. People don't, they might be well-meaning, but they don't really, I guess, get off their butts and go and, Take hmm. that initiative, and most, most yeah. people don't. Be but when asked, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but if you prompt them and say, "Hey, by the way, do you want to be a donor?" Which is effectively what's happening yeah. now when you apply for a license in California. Yeah. Yep. You, they have to answer, and and like you say, they've noticed a doubling. Did you say? I think. Of, yeah. Of, well, the, the, that's great. Um, anecdotal statistics. I haven't read anything, but yeah. Right. Well, there's obviously a significant increase yeah. in, in any yeah, case. Yeah, significant increase in any case. Exactly. And that's really good. Now, incidentally, the laws here in New Zealand actually are like that. When you've got, when you apply for a license, you get asked. Yeah. Now, I will ask you: Are you a donor? Um, I am. I'm ashamed to say I'm not, but I, I think I might change that. Yeah. I, I, that's that's the one thing I'll do. I think I'll, I'll I'll go and change that, and I'll report back on the boys of tech when I've done that. How's that? I think that would be a, a fitting. A way to sort of honour Steve Jobs. Yeah, I think so too, actually. Yeah. I think so too. And this conversation just goes to show the importance of uh, organ donors and, you know, the difference they can make to people needing organs. Yeah. And for some people, it's a matter of life and death. 
And, and yep. you know, as we talked about at the time in 2009 when Steve Jobs needed that transplant, uh, you know, who knows uh, what would have happened if, if he hadn't, hadn't got it. No iPad. <laughs> yeah, well, there, there you go, you know. So, yeah. The, the one thing about Steve Jobs, of course, is he loved what he did. He, Absolutely, he, he, which he, is why he powered on until a month before his death. Yeah, yeah. Um, he, he, he loved what he was doing so much that he just stuck in there and, until he literally could not go on. I've actually got some words of wisdom on that from Steve Jobs. Take a listen to this. You've got to find what you love, and that is as true for work as it is for your lovers. Your work is going to fill a large part of your life, and the only way to be truly satisfied is to do what you believe is great work. And the only way to do great work is to love what you do. If you haven't found it yet, keep looking and don't settle. As with all matters of the heart, you'll know when you find it. And like any great relationship, it just gets better and better as the years roll on. So keep looking. Don't settle. I think that's a, a good philosophy. Don't settle. Totally. Uh, always strive. Totally. And for me, I've always said, you know, I, everyone's different, but for me, I've always said the day I go to work and I don't like what I do, I'm going to do something different. And I've always, I've said that for years. My, my wife knows this. Yeah. Personally, I don't believe in going to work and not enjoying what you do. Yeah, if you because hate it's, your it's, job, it becomes your life. It. it really is yeah. your life if you think yeah. about it. You know, you're at work, what, 40 hours a week or so, plus or yeah. minus a bit. The only thing you do more than work is sleep. Exactly. So, you know, love what you do. Some great words of wisdom there from, from Steve Jobs on that. So I guess this is kind of what, the uh, the next era for Apple now? It is the post jobs era. The post, yeah, it is really, isn't it? The post jobs era. And I guess, you know, I've often asked myself in the years, you know, when between when Steve uh, rejoined Apple in 97 and now, they've had a string of successes. We just listed a lot of them. Yeah, you know, the iPod, the iPhone, the iPad. Yeah, and, and then that, the great range of iMacs, the iMacs as well that kicked it all off. Was that only the results of a great vision that Jobs had? You know, he was a bit of a visionary, wasn't he? Or was that partly luck? Was there, you know, was there some no, luck in that? Or was that? I, I, I don't think it was luck at all. I, I think a quote from Jobs, I think, is, is very relevant to this topic. And that was Steve's quote that said that focus is saying no. All right. When you say no, all right, you come out with a fantastic product. And as a philosophy, I think that's that's how he he, he ruled at Apple, and it, it was very much hands on with him over every product release. He had the final final say on pretty much everything. It's my understanding. So, if it was a, a released product, then you knew that Steve had okayed that on a very hands on level. So he okayed Antennagate. <laughs> Well, I think that was just a, a, a consequence. Yeah, he, he wouldn't have known. Yeah. I mean, obviously he wouldn't have known. That's, that, no. I guess it goes without saying. Yeah. Oh, yes, but that, that was kind of, I, you know, you have to laugh at that. And I think he, didn't he make a joke about that at one point as well? His uh, comment, about, was it his comment or Apple PR? No, no, it was, it was, uh, it was about him. About Antenna Gate. Yeah, no, you're he, using he, it wrong. You're holding it wrong. 
Was that was that it? I don't remember. Okay, yeah, it could yeah. have been that. I do remember he, he sort of. It was tongue in cheek, though. Yeah, it was totally tongue in cheek. I know, and and there was the other one as well about the. Um, remember the iPhone? They they said that it'd be available in white soon, and the white never came for like ages. A year, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and then they introduced the next iPhone, and he goes. And guess what? It's available in white, really. Yeah, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. So he's obviously picked up, he knows what people think, what people are saying. And he was, you know, he used to sort of play to that a little bit sometimes in his keynotes, which I, I think really brought out the, the human side, which is nice. Uh, absolutely. And he was a master at presentations. And if you want to learn how to do a really good presentation, then look no further than Steve Jobs. Totally. And you know what? I do that as well. I do that at work. When I'm giving a presentation, I just take everything I can from Steve Jobs. Yeah. You know, my slides are not 10 bullets with 20 words on each. No way. Very what? simple to the point. Exactly. It's, yeah. a, it's a picture or a, an icon and yeah. a couple of, a, a list it's of a, about four or five words. It, it, yeah, for which you can talk for two or three minutes. Yep. About. Yep. So it's a concept or idea that you expand upon during the presentation. So you're not reading off the presentation. It's just almost like a prompt. Yeah, All right, next, pretty much. next topic. Yeah. But you, to, to present properly, you need to know the topic inside out. Oh, totally. Totally. Yep. Just as a, as a final thought, I think it's correct to mention that I believe Steve Jobs has changed changed the planet for the better. And this is in no small part because of the original Apple One computer, which while Steve Jobs didn't do the hardware, that was all Steve Wozniak. Without Steve Jobs there to actually market it and like make a real product out of it and bring it to the world, the Apple One would have never have happened, which means the personal computer revolution would have not happened. You make a good point, actually, and we didn't really talk about that, but it is very important because back then, all the other so-called computers that existed weren't computers as we know them today. They didn't have a, an ASCII keyboard with a screen. You know, there were you know uh, LEDs and switches and stuff yeah, and sort of logic computers, if you like, rather than human interactable computers, I suppose you could call these now. Yeah, with, with, you would have to program using cards and And stuff flicking like switches that. and so on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. so no, that, that is absolutely right. And, you know... You make a good point about Steve Jobs bringing this to the world because Wozniak was a genius in his own right. He absolutely. did the he is, did the hard, he's a genius in his own right. He, he is still absolutely. He did all the hardware and uh, he even wrote uh, Basic for it as well, and he yeah, programmed that yeah. in himself. But of course, he was a typical engineer. In other words, he wanted perfection in the work he did, but. Beyond that, he didn't really care what happened. In other words, yeah, he wasn't he really interested in the business. Yeah. No, no, he just wanted to do cool stuff. And he did yeah. cool stuff. And, of course, Jobs was the one that sort of had that vision and the ability to sort of look ahead and say, well, you know, we've got something here. You mm. know? And, in fact, here's a little quote uh, along those lines that I think is quite nice from Steve Jobs. You can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect them looking backwards. So you have to trust that the dots will somehow connect in your future. You have to trust in something, your gut, destiny, life, karma, whatever, because believing that the dots will connect down the road will give you the confidence to follow your heart even when it leads you off the well-worn path, and that will make all the difference. And I think that's exactly what he did back then, 
and has been yeah. doing ever since. Yeah. I'd like to finish with one final quote from Steve Jobs, paraphrase, of course, because I'm not reading it. This was how he convinced John Scully to join Apple as CEO. His comment was that you can sell sugared water to kids or you can come work with me and change the world. Well, that really puts things into perspective, doesn't it? Yeah. And Andy's yeah. so right. I mean, absolutely. Yeah. What, a, what a fantastic quote. Yeah. All right, Alec, thank you very much for joining me on this special edition episode, uh, Remembering Steve Jobs. I know, yes. It's been a, a, a nice walk down memory lane. Good to, to talk about Steve in, in a nonpartisan, respectful way. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I do thank you, Al, for joining me on the show this week. And that concludes episode 137 of The Boys of Tech. Goodbye. Goodbye. And thanks for listening, guys. When I was 17, I read a quote that went something like, if you live each day as if it was your last, someday you'll most certainly be right. (laughs) It made an impression on me. And since then, for the past 33 years, I have looked in the mirror every morning and asked myself, if today were the last day of my life, would I want to do what I am about to do today? And whenever the answer has been no for too many days in a row, I know I need to change something. Remembering that I'll be dead soon is the most important tool I've ever encountered to help me make the big choices in life. Because almost everything, all external expectations, all pride, all fear of embarrassment or failure, These things just fall away in the face of death, leaving only what is truly important. Remembering that you are going to die is the best way I know to avoid the trap of thinking you have something to lose. You are already naked. There is no reason not to follow your heart. This program is dedicated to the memory of Steve Jobs.